wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. And we're back, folks. We're on Wrestle Rant Radio for Thursday, July 18, 2019. I am Graham Jason Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well. And as you're listening to this, I am currently in London, England. On vacation for the next week. Yes, you heard me correctly. I am away in London until July 25th. But I knew that it could not go a week without doing an episode of WrestleRant Radio. So without doing the pay-per-view predictions and the previews and the reviews, which we've been doing a lot of here on the show over the last month, and I enjoy it a lot. I enjoy real I really do talking about impact. Ring of Honor, AEW, WWE, and everything else in between. Uh, we're not going to be doing that here today because I am away, so I figured it would be a lot easier to air my exclusive interview with the NWA World Heavyweight Champion, the national treasure himself, Nick Aldis. Yes, Nick Aldis is back here on WrestleRant Radio to talk all about joining the NWA, his recent Ring of Honor appearance, bringing in Eli Drake and what he brings to the table in the NWA, almost signing with WWE many years ago, almost being offered a deal, not even almost, he was offered a deal by AEW All Elite Wrestling earlier on this year. Yeah, that's an exclusive, people, for WrestleRant Radio. You're going to hear all about that on today's show soon enough. So today we're talking to Nick Aldis. Next week we're talking to Ryback. And all of these interviews should be up already on DailyDDT.com in article form if you want to check them out. Um, It's been a pretty busy last couple of weeks in getting them up in written form, but I'm trying to get them up in written form before I get them up in audio form on WrestleRant Radio. For example, if you enjoyed my interview with Lillian Garcia, longtime WWE ring announcer, current cage announcer for the PFL on ESPN that aired last week here on WrestleRant Radio, then you can check it out in article form as well on Daily DDT from about three, four weeks ago, as well as my interview with Yvonne Eriks, which also went up in article form uh, shortly after the MLW show in early July, about two weeks ago. Um, that interview should be up here on the show maybe in two weeks or so, the next two or three weeks on WrestleRant Radio. So there's a lot to discuss with Nick Aldis. I'm very much looking forward to airing the interview for you guys to enjoy on today's WrestleRant Radio. Until we get to that, though, real quick, we got to take care of business. You can check me out on the socials on Twitter at WrestleRant, on Facebook at Facebook.com backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews, and on YouTube as well, YouTube.com backslash C backslash Graham GSM Matthews. I mentioned, you know, the wrestling-filled weekend that we had last weekend that I will not be talking about on today's WrestleRant Radio. So last weekend we had, you know, Evolve that aired on the WWE Network. We had AEW Fight for the Fallen also on Saturday. We had WWE Extreme Rules on Sunday, all of which, again, not reviewing any of those for WrestleRant Radio here today. Instead, you can check out my written reviews of all three of those shows, right now on NextAirWrestling.net. I tried to get them up before I left early, early, early Monday morning for uh, London, where I am right now. So you can check out all those reviews on the website. 
And I'll continue to put up the reviews for Raw, SmackDown, as you probably noticed this past week. They've been up a little later, because we are ahead by five hours. I can sympathize with the wrestling fans here in England, finally, about having to watch Raw live. I would never, if I lived in London or anywhere else in Europe, I would never fucking watch Raw or SmackDown live, especially if I know the show will not be that good. Because we are five hours ahead, so the show does not start until 1 a.m. That's usually the time I go to bed. So I'm not watching Raw live. I'm catching them the next day. The reviews should be up whenever I have the time. Whatever I have the time. So uh, stay tuned for that on the socials. As for WrestleRant Radio, it's taken me this long to address this. You can check out the show every single Thursday. We don't miss a week, people. Check out the show. Rate the show. Review the show. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, uh, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Podbean, iTunes. I think I already mentioned that. I'm all over the place here today. Um, Stitcher, Spotify, NextDayWrestling.net. We are on every platform possible, people. So check it out. WrestleRant Radio. New episodes everything, every single Thursday, as well as all the archived episodes dating back to October of 2013. So in the last month alone, you can go back and binge my interviews with the NEW founder, the the president of Northeast Wrestling, Michael Lombardi. You can check out my exclusive interviews with Ring of Honor stars, the Women of Honor World Champion, Kelly Klein, the Ring of Honor World Television Champion, Shane Taylor, the mercenary of the Villain Enterprises stable, as seen a best in the world a few weeks ago, Flip Gordon on the 4th of July. And then last week, we had Lillian Garcia. So again, it's been a pretty amazing last month of WrestleRant Radio and more interviews here to come. That's the best part. There's way more interviews here to come in the remainder of the summer on WrestleRant Radio. But first, today we're talking, again, to the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, the national treasure himself, Nick Aldis. Enjoy, folks. All right, folks, Graham Jason Matthews back here with another exclusive interview. Today we're talking to the national treasure, the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion himself, Nick Aldis. Nick, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for taking the time. And uh, you're coming off your attack from the Briscoes at Best in the World just a few short days ago. From when we're talking about, you were in the uh, uh, in the match with Eli Drake against the Briscoes, a Ring of Honor Best in the World on Friday. How are you feeling coming off that match and attack? No, oh, I, I feel fine. You know, I mean, it, it's um, like I said in my post post match tweet. You know, a little rough and tumble never hurt anybody. <laughs> um, and, I, and I, you know, I said uh, I said the next night in Philadelphia, I, I put a before we started addressing my um, opponent for uh, Summer Supercard in Toronto, I, I made it clear that if Jay Briscoe wants to settle this once and for all and he has a problem, we'll settle it one-on-one and we can do that with the, with the title on the line. You and Jay Briscoe would be an absolute incredible match on paper. Is there any set like day for that to air? Because like you said, it was taped in Philadelphia the day after Best in the World. They're still airing the follow-up from the show. Do you know when fans can expect that to air on Ring of Honor TV? I'm, I'm not sure when that's uh, when that's going to be, um, but uh, I, I know that we will we will put the segment out ourselves mm-hmm. as well through the NWA channel. So. Well, it should be great. As we're talking right now, it's 1 p.m. Eastern time on Monday. I think 10 pounds of gold actually drops today at this exact time. Is that accurate? That's right. Yeah. So I got to check that out as soon as we're done talking here today. But of course, you've been with the NWA from uh, from between now and dating back to 2017. How did the opportunity to sign with the NWA come about, and what was it about the brand that enticed you to join their ranks? Um, obviously, I had a relationship with Vega Ghana uh, dating back to to Impact, and then I had briefly crossed paths with Billy. hadn't really worked with him to to any you know any significant degree, but. Um, he was a fan of mine and and uh you know really i was just i was kind of disenchanted with 
this the product of it you know overall i was just sort of i was looking and i felt like almost every wrestling company was all going after the same audience mm -hmm. you know so like every, everyone was going after the discerning fan who you know who, who who's a lifer for wrestling and you know and i think numbers have proven that when you cater too much to that fan base you kind of lose the rest um and i think there's a sweet spot where you can satisfy everyone and and uh you know the proliferation of social media and you know obviously wrestling fans you know uh <laughs> insatiable appetite for opinion <laughs> and you know to bring down the number one you know kind of wrestling it, it kind of leads to a culture that unfortunately um can be a little uh can exclude a lot of the more casual fans and i don't think that that's necessarily fair mm -hmm. you know I don't, I don't think that any one person's dollar is more valuable than another's um but you know i i cherish and respect the fans who just watch once a week you know and don't engage on social media about it and don't write blogs about it and don't you know engage with other fans about it just as much as i do those fans because you know passion is great but ultimately you know it's, it's a commercial business and i believe that there's a lot of fans out there who just uh you know they don't feel like they're invited to the party you know and and so and and for me the the feedback i always got was you know the things they always reverted back to were either the attitude era mm -hmm. or to the late or to the late 80s nwa and you know jim Crockett promotions and that kind of era so you know we proved we we knew this was the case in in tna as well we knew there was a a specific number of people who just watched our product and impact never appreciated that and they dropped the ball and that's why we lost them you mm -hmm. know and and they were fans who watched WCW and then after WCW went away, they didn't watch wrestling anymore. And it's, you know, that's, uh, and we're, we're getting them back and we're gaining them back bit by bit because they trust our brand to deliver them the things that they like about pro wrestling. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, it's Rocky, you know, they want to, they want to see the struggle. They want to see the, the culmination of two guys a rivalry you know leading to the final blow off and you know somebody's got to win and somebody's got to lose mm -hmm. you know and and um I, i'm not this isn't a knock on anyone else doing skits or doing silly stuff or doing you know all these other things there's a place for all of it but there seems to be this sort of it's really unhealthy mentality that exists now in the business where if you if you're a proponent of a certain type of wrestling, you're encouraged to hate every other type of wrestling mm -hmm. and hate every other type of wrestling fan. And that type of culture gets nobody anywhere. And it's like, so we don't encourage, you know, just, we have a lot of, we, we, we pay attention to every single bit of feedback we get on our products. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, one of the ones that comes up consistently is like this, this is a wrestling, this is wrestling I can be proud of and you know this is this is what I like this is what I look for in pro wrestling this is what I haven't had in my pro wrestling for so long and we like that but if they start you know dumping on other types of pro wrestling we don't have any time for that you know like we're just you know we're we're, we're not in that we're not in that business we're not interested in in taking down anybody else because I'm I'm all for every single one of my brothers and sisters in this business to, to help you know to make money um, mm. but anyway to answer your question when um, Dave and Billy reached out to me in, in the summer of 17 they basically said 
you've never reached your potential. And I said I agreed. And, uh, you know, WWE wasn't an option. And um, nowhere else was really sort of tickling my fancy. You know, I didn't I sort of, I looked at it and went, you know, um, I've done everything I can do as far as, you know, uh, like, well, especially within Impact, I've done everything I could do. You know, I've been the world champion, a tag champion. I've, you know, been in marquee matches and rivalries with guys like Samoa Joe and AJ Styles and, you know, obviously beating Sting in the middle of the ring at a pay-per-view. And, you know, so it's kind of like, mm-hmm. not you know, there's, there's not really much I can do here except, you know, it, it, it's a step down. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather take on a new challenge. And then once, once Billy sort of laid out what his vision was for buying the NWA and what he wanted to do with it, I suddenly realized there was a great opportunity there to to basically deliver the one thing that I'd always wanted to do in wrestling, which was to spend more time focusing on the the long, dramatic build to one match, you know, instead mm-hmm. of this kind of churning out storyline, 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 pay-per-view, storyline, 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 pay-per-view, you know, like there's, there's, you know, there's, there's a there's an ability here to make a bit more of a destination viewing by approaching it more like a prize fight, you know, instead mm-hmm. of having a schedule that we have to try to fit our creative around. Mm-hmm. We fit ours, you know, <laughs> instead of putting, you know, trying to fit the creative around the schedule, we fit our schedule around the creative. Well, you mentioned, too, the social media and how the atmosphere of the fan base is nowadays. And you first started with TNA over a decade ago, 2008, 2009. Back then, Facebook, Twitter were around, but they obviously weren't as prominent as they are now. But with the social media comes pros like the 10 Pounds of Gold, putting stuff out on YouTube. Where do you, with social media, do you feel the pros that way, the cons, or the other way around? Or does it kind of even out with wrestling nowadays? I think that I think that that's all dependent on how you utilize it. Mm-hmm. Um and what you put stock in, you know, yes, the, the ability to reach your particular audience and monetize them is huge. Like it's a, it's a, and it's a great situation for smaller startup companies like ours, you know, because we can target and find the, the audience that, that, you know, that we resonate with. Um, where I think people get off on the wrong exit is that, uh, it becomes, it becomes a very inaccurate, uh, barometer of public opinion. Like, I can tell you for a fact, you know, that TNA and, and in particular Dixie had a, a hugely disproportionate view of what the Twitter conversation represented in the wider audience. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, that was, they represented at that time, in my opinion, about one third of our overall audience. And, um, you know, the, and, and about, and one of the other thirds of that of that audience that we had at our peak, where we were sort of doing about two million viewers, were the people I was describing before, which were people who used to watch WCW, but for whatever reason weren't WWE fans and didn't like that product, and they found something else and they wanted something different. And they liked it, and they had we had them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 2010 or 11 came along, and you know the product basically told them that oh all that stuff that you like that made TNA unique, you don't want that anymore. And then we lost them. We never got them back. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the, you know, the, the <laughs> Twitter is very easy to, uh, manipulate to make it look like you're doing better than you really are. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you can, you know, you can say, Oh sure. No, everyone's watching less TV, you know, well, everyone's ratings are down and stuff like that. But they get the look, we're trending, you know, like it's, it's, it's like, it, it's, it's really not that hard to be trending in a, in a 
you know, in any given moment, mm-hmm. right? Like, <laughs> as long as there's nothing else really significant going on, uh, you know, all you got to do is do something stupid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, say something controversial, do something <laughs> stupid, and chances are you'll be trending. It's, yeah. You know what I mean? It's not a... It's not. It's not easily converted to to um, pay per view buys, you know, butts and seats, you know, merchandise buys, things like that. Um, what it can do is it can help you cultivate and maintain the loyalty with 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 a, with a with a portion of your audience. But I think it creates. Uh, sometimes I think it, it can create a false sense of security and a bit of a um, and a bit of a, a, a pathway to laziness for bigger companies, and that's certainly what happened with Impact. And like you said, you joined NWA, kind of started the talks in the summer of 2017, debuted a few months after that. It was You were back with Impact for a very short period of time, in earlier in 2017, after originally leaving in 2015. Uh, what was the motivation behind going to Impact at that point for a sh- uh, very short period, and how has that been separated? How has that been different from your time in the NWA and the differences you've noticed in the NWA and other places you've worked up to this point? Well, the, the, the short stint, was really it was there was never a contract it was always just a it was always just a uh, negotiated okay pay me this much and i'll come and do it mm-hmm. um i knew that you know it was another chance for Je- you know i knew i knew jeff was having problems um and I, and it was a chance i knew it was a chance for him to sort of get back in the saddle and i believed that he deserved to have a chance to kind of run run the company and and you know take on that product and i did it out of loyalty to jeff um and there was also, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to get, I, I don't really know what this, you know, what the reality of the situation was. But mm. there was at the time the the the, the, the three things that that, made, that factored into my decision to go back and do it. One, you know, the, the money was decent. Two, uh, it was a favor to Jeff. And three, um, at the time, it was implied that it would be a pathway for me to maybe do the world of sports show with ITV because they, because Jeff was, you know, I mean, we even got as far as me going, walking out and doing a press conference mm-hmm. with ITV and world of sport and all that. Like that was, they were supposed to be working together. And then I don't know how all that changed and all that blew up, but you know, that was honestly, that was really, I, I felt like, I felt like maybe I was, you know, <laughs> um, Maybe used as a little bit of a sort of bargaining chip in that, mm-hmm. and then I was all, but then, you know, but they, and then he, but they were also using that as a, as a, as a way to entice me to come and, you know, to come and be on impact as well. So I don't, you know, I, there was some, there was some dishonesty there, but I don't know where it, where, where it fell apart. Uh, so that, hence why I never signed a contract. I just kind of was going show by show, mm-hmm. and um, it was an opportunity for me to work with Alberto. You know, like I, I had always admired him and wanted to work with him so that was that was kind of the final thing I was like okay cool I'll come in and work with Alberto that's fine you know so that was and that was that and you guys have that you got to have that great match on Impact TV over the GFW World Championship which was you know, a lot of fun. So that was one of the highlights of your time back there earlier on in 2017. Um, but like you said, I think with Impact, the issue's never really been the talent. It's never been the talent. It's always, you know, management stuff like that, lack of buzz. It, it never really seems like that their their problem is that they never really have a ton of buzz and they never really use people to their full potential, such as yourself. That doesn't obviously seem to be an issue with the NWA. You guys have a ton of buzz right now. Just finished up the Crockett Cup a few months ago. And a big factor of that is the 10 Pounds of Gold show you guys have every Monday, including today on the YouTube channel. Um, how has the 10 Pounds of Gold show kind of factored into the development of your own character, yourself, and as well as the NWA? Well, when we first 
when I first basically agreed and said, okay, I'm on board, you know, let, let's let's try to make this, let's try to bring this brand back to prominence. One of the first things I brought up was I sent I sent them some 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 of my favorite uh, episodes of HBO 24/7, Showtime, All Access, you know, UFC um, countdowns and things like that, and mm-hmm. said, this is what combat sports have have taken pro wrestling and made it better you know because like, we, we used to nobody not boxing not MMA not any sports nobody used to even run packages you know nobody used to even run a two minute hype package before a thing mm-hmm. you know before an event now you know but wrestling always was wrestling's been doing that for decades and they would borrow from wrestling you know like tell me the first thing you saw that had pyro you know that wasn't mm-hmm. pro wrestling you know like there was all these production elements and, and, and dramatic elements and hype elements that, that real sports borrowed from pro wrestling they'll never admit that they did but they did um, and but then you know once they realized like damn th- people care about these things so much more and people are engaged so much more when they when, there's, when they really feel a, a connection to the, the personalities right mm-hmm. um and I said, where, where did we go off base here with wrestling? Like, where did we, we just went so far off course. Again, going back to what I was saying, where we concentrated so much on this, like, on this very small um, niche portion of the audience that were only concerned with the execution of a pro wrestling match, right? And the, uh, like, you know, who have, who have an opinion on every single thing. Oh, that was a, that promo was a B plus and, this match was a 3.3 out of 5 stars and, <laughs> you know with all this kind of stuff right like, yeah. and we were kind of like those, those and I, my argument it's not that they, I don't care if they want to do that right like mm. that's up to them if they want to do that yeah but my, my point was like those people clearly aren't going anywhere because this is like a hobby to them yeah like it, they, they're never going to stop watching because they love doing this stuff yeah like even if every match on this show is gets a, gets a, gets a 1 star they're still going to want to do it because they like putting this stuff out. It makes them feel good about themselves. So why are we caring? You know, why are we, why are we catering so much to them? You know, like I, I care. I'm, <laughs> I care about the dollar. You know, I don't care about like, you know. And this is not a, a knock on any of the people that do this stuff, but it's like I don't care whether some guy who is not paying my bills. I don't care what star rating he gives my match mm-hmm. because he's not paying my bills. You know, mm-hmm. and the people who are going to read his stuff, who, whoever that may be, they're going to keep watching. You know, like for the most part. And and so it's it's a it's a you know I'm not saying that you should pay no attention to it. I'm just saying that you should pay, you know, the the, the proportionate amount of attention to what it represents. Right. Like, and in the meantime, you know, you've got to keep doing things that keep a wider audience engaged which is you know <laughs> look there's a reason you know if you if you went by what if you went by what that 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 core you know sort of online audience said about roman reigns he wouldn't even be on the show yeah you know which is which is ludicrous mm-hmm. right like <laughs> because you know i'm sure if, i'm sure i'm sure they would have the numbers to show it but you know i i bet that he draws a lot of women Mm-hmm. I bet the kids like him, you know, he sells his merchandise, you know, it's just, it's like, there's a, there's a, you know, there's a, there's a need to make sure that you, you keep abreast of every potential customer, you know, every set of eyeballs in the world is, is a, 
is a potential dollar you can make. Uh, and that's sort of the, the mentality that we adopted. Um, but we also went, okay, we know we've got to start somewhere. So we've got to start with the audience that we think that we can get the most quickly, which is the perhaps slightly disenfranchised, you know, old school kind of fan. Uh, and then, and the, and the discerning ones, you know, and the ones who are going to watch every type of wrestling out there. And we, you know, we, we, we cultivated a good thing, a good, a good base quite quickly. We did enough to generate some buzz to the point where obviously like a lot of media and stuff like, Hey, have you seen those 10 pounds of golf shows? It's really interesting. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really, it feels really different. It, it really makes me care about watching this match that I never thought I would care about. And then by the time we got to, you know, the, 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 the beginning of last year, we knew we had Cody's attention. And then obviously that was a great opportunity for everybody involved. That was a win-win because we went, okay, is all in going to be our big sort of our first real kind of, this is what we can do. And it was Mm -hmm. like, we, we used all in as our platform to basically show this is what we can do. Mm -hmm. You know, and we, um, so within the space of one year of him buying a brand that everybody said, what the hell did he buy? Like what, what a dumb thing to do. Even Cornette, you know, who now is like, one of our biggest supporters. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but at the time he was like, Billy Corgan's bought the National Wrestling Alliance. Like, what the hell is he thinking? You know, like, <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, fast forward to a year later and Cody and I have got 11,000 people standing before we even touched mm-hmm. you know, with Earl Hebner, Earl Hebner holding up the, the you know, the, the NWA championship. So, it's, you know, we, it's proof of concept and we've, um, we take our time and we, we just we wait for the right thing to come along. We don't try to shoehorn it. That's the that's the that's the that's the real beauty and benefit that we have of only having a very short, a small amount of people to pay, myself included. You know, there's only a, there's only a handful of salaries to pay, and we we're not beholden yet to uh, a television deal or to you know or to a, a live event schedule or anything. We just we we find where it's going to work, and then we go, okay, that's a good time to run. Like let's do that. You know, like a like a boxing promoter would do you know we, mm-hmm. <laughs> boxing promoters don't say okay well every every monday we're going to have monday night boxing and we've got to set up our you know our next heavyweight title battle for you know summer box uh, you know at so and so it doesn't work like that because boxing goes okay we've got to find the right matchup first we've got to find you know the the rivalry and the the you know the undercard and everything else that's gonna that's gonna support this main event and we've got to make it work the way and that's the way we approach it and it's so funny because it's like to me it doesn't seem that difficult to explain mm-hmm. but some people still have a real hard time understanding that and over the last two years like you said you've worked very closely with Dave Lagana who you had history with from Impact and also Billy Corrigan uh, what's been your experience like working with them and how much have you learned from them in the NWA it's it's been the most it's been the most fantastic relationship and, and gratifying you know, two years of my career, mm-hmm. you know, I, 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 I'm, I think it's no secret that I'm involved, you know, at every level really, uh, with the exception of, uh, financially, obviously, as far as sort of, you know, I don't, I don't know what guys get paid and I don't know what, you know, I, I, I don't, um, I, that's, that's about the only area that I deliberately try to stay clear of is other talent, you know, so that there's no, but, you know, just to avoid any, um, you know, conflict of interest there or anything like that. Um, but as far as the, as far as the direction of the product, producing the 10 pounds and 
you know, who I want to work with, who we want to, who, what we want to showcase, you know, at, the, at our standalone events, and then, and or when we're, or when we're part of the larger event like the Summer Supercard and stuff like that. I'm involved in all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's gratifying because I wanted to be involved in that stuff at Impact, but we always just be patronized and kind of told, you know, condescendingly, like, oh, you know, just you just worry about you, and you know, we'll worry about that. Like, I am worried about me. That's why I want to be involved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, and it's like they get that. They get that nobody has a a better vision of who you are and who you can be than yourself. So you may as well be involved in the process. And that's going to be the same thing with Eli, and it's the same with with Alison Kay and everybody else that we're working with that have under deals. It's a we we let you produce your you know produce your packages and help you you know and, and help you create the persona that you want out there because authenticity is is the, the most important thing to us is getting something out that people can go man this just this feels different it feels real mm-hmm. you know a lot of the time like the stuff with Cody and I it felt real because it was real you know we <laughs> we really did there were you know we we really genuinely had uh, certain things about one another that w- made us made each other jealous. You know, he he was he was jealous of certain things about me. He was jealous that I'd been able to do this stuff with this with this title that he wanted badly because of his father's legacy. I was jealous that he had all this buzz and, and you know and, and and you know and, and making money. So it was like we had these different things that we could really play off of with each other, and we understood that about each other because we're professionals. Mm-hmm. Um, same with Marty and I. You know, I genuinely have been like a mentor and a big brother to Marty. But he's also, in recent years, he's come along and, and just smashed it and, and, you know, has, in in many markets, has a bigger profile than I do now. So it's like, we can play off of all that stuff very easily because it's, it's real, mm-hmm. you know? Like, you can't fight the, you can't fight the mentality of the audience, you know? Like, mm-hmm. if, if, the, if the stuff that resonates with the audience is they want to know what's really happening behind the scenes or they want to, you know, they, that's the stuff they want to talk about or they want to talk about somebody's uh, popularity with a certain fan base or a lack of or anything like that. You, best, you can use all of it. Everything is usable, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, not this isn't a knock on WWE, but it's a culture that exists there and in bigger companies. TNA did the same thing, where if there are sort of weaknesses of a certain talent in a, from a business standpoint, they go out of their way to sort of either pretend that they're not there, which which is terrible, yeah. or, or try to sort of hide them and pretend they're something else. But we don't really do that. Like we did, we let the audience have that conversation, and then we and then we just kind of we use it to you know to make the most authentic and realistic, realistic and compelling build and show you know show that we can make because. But there's no point trying to because then the audience respects you for not insulting their intelligence. And mm-hmm. like we, you know, we, we just said the, the only thing that's not, the only thing that's, um, or to me, in my opinion anyway, the only thing that should be predetermined about pro wrestling should be the outcome of a match. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like everything else should be real. That's the, that's the best way to, you know, that's the best way to, to make the audience suspend their disbelief and mm-hmm. to make them feel like they're part of something. You know, is to be as authentic as you can in every single part of the match, and then deliver them. You know, deliver what the audience wants at the end. Mm. 
And that was such a big part of your build, like you said, to the match with Cody at All In, how, like you said, everything leading up to the match felt real. You guys had 11,000 people, as you mentioned, standing on their feet before you guys even touched at the All In show in September. So between that, uh, between 10 pounds of gold, and how, like, not just the Cody match, but every title defense that you have, whether it be for an NWA show, a Crockett Cup, you know, uh, All In, or a Ring of Honor TV, whatever it might be, all of your title defenses have that big fight feel to it, whereas nowadays, and this isn't just the knock on WWE because they have like 20 different titles, but a lot of different companies right now have an abundance of championships, and they don't really mean anything, whereas with the NWA title, yeah, it's been around for a long time, but it's how you guys promote and how you guys make those title matches feel like the most important thing in the world. Why do you think other championships right now don't really have that same level of importance that the NWA title does? Well, I think you touched on it because I think I think the history is is the selling point. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever, whenever you can run a package that shows Terry Funk, Harley Race, Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair, you know, or even into even into the early two thousands, Jeff Jarrett, you know, AJ Styles, holding the all holding the same championship for a casual viewer, that's immediately like, oh, okay, and then it and then it cuts to me and Cody and back to me. It's like okay cool this is a real prize you know um that's (laughs) that's something that we weren't really sure where we you know what we had with that until we started running with it and then it just so happened that i had all these international dates uh you know just after winning the title the first time and Every single one of them said, "Can we make it an NWA title match?" So before we knew it, we had this we had this sort of thing where, where I was going to defend the title on four different continents in one year. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, it became a thing where, and, it, and we suddenly realized we happened on, you know, this we'd really happened on what 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 exactly we wanted to do with the NWA, which was the traditional values of the modern delivery system. So I, was, I could be the traveling champion, but we delivered it with 10 pounds of gold. We went and documented it in different ways and put out packages rather than just kind of going, oh, you know, here are the results. You know, he defended the title here, blah, blah, blah. Like, we showed clips and we made packages and, you know, (laughs) we showed me traveling all over the world. We showed me going to China. We went to, you know, that's just effort. That's not money. Like, yeah, yeah, okay. There's a little bit of money involved in having to, you know, and Dave Lagana having to fly everywhere with me and bring all his equipment and then shoot and edit it and everything. But, you know, Dave, Dave's running the company. Mm-hmm. So it's like, uh, compared to hiring a soundstage and getting a load of people and getting a load of wrestlers and, you know, doing a bunch of events, like the cost of that is minimal. But we were able to create something, a body of work, not just for me, but for the NWA over the last two years that's now usable to build off of, you know, so it puts us in a very strong position, especially as we head into the rest of this year, as all this stuff's going to shake out with AEW and WWE moving to Fox and all this thing, you know, this, this, you know, there's going to be, there's going to be some real sort of monumental shifts happening in the, in the entire business. And mm-hmm. we're left with the, you know, while other companies that, you know, ring of honor are going to be in, in, in you know, they're going to be, they're going to be in trouble and impact are going to be in trouble. And it's not, there's no secret. It's just, you know, there's only so many hours in a day that people can watch wrestling. There's only so many dollars they're going to have to spend on wrestling and they're going to make a decision. Mm-hmm. But what we have is uh, a usable model and we have a, a product in 10 pounds that we can put out that, that people, you know, not a lot of people are watching it yet, but the ones who are know that it's quality. They know what they're going to get. And so 
each person that we're adding, our retention of audience is excellent. You know, so that's the that's the way we wanted to build. We don't want to. We always say we are, one of our one of our in company kind of uh, mottos is don't over promise, over deliver. Mm-hmm. You know, and because you know in wrestling, you know, obviously a lot of people have a tendency to over promise. <laughs> yeah. Well, you mentioned too Ring of Honor. NWA and Ring of Honor have had this great working relationship for some time now. Do you think, you kind of touched upon this before, but especially now with SmackDown moving to Fox and AEW becoming a thing, do you think more companies can benefit from working with each other? I think they're going to have to. Yeah. I don't think that it's a, I don't even think it's a case of benefiting anymore. It's a case of surviving. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's just my take. And, you know, some companies are going to have to pull their heads out of their ass. You know, that's the reality is that, like, instead of worrying about signing guys to exclusive deals and, you know, trying to, you know, screw over other companies who are in the same boat as they are, they, what they should be doing is figuring out what, you know, what we do is we, we eliminate the, the sort of typical rules and parameters of, like, oh, well, he's under contract to this wrestling company, so that's the only person who can wrestle, right? Mm-hmm. We go, what would be the ultimate, like, like we recently sat down and said with me, for example, and said, any promotion anywhere in the world, who are your top five title matches that you could do right now, right? Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, this guy from WWE, this guy from WWE, this guy from New Japan, you know, this guy from wherever, right? Like, you know, and obviously, you know, me and Cody three, the rubber match. Yeah. So it was like, we just, just, just to remind ourselves of like that anything is possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like instead of just going like, Oh, well, I guess I'll have to work with someone who's available, you know? And like so many companies do that where they, they exhaust what they have because they're, they're not thinking outside the box. Yeah. And we came to, because of, you know, with Cody and I, for example, we proved how easy it was to, to happen because that ring of honor, ring of honor produced all in. That was a ring of honor show. Mm-hmm. You know, for all intents and purposes, uh, it was just co-produced by Cody and the Bucks. Yep. So, in order to in order for Cody to have what he wanted, which was the match with me, Ring of Honor had to work with us, and in the end, we ended up with a with a more long term relationship out of that. Mm-hmm. But you know, they also brought in other people that they used, you know, who weren't under contract to Ring of Honor, and um, you know, frankly. You know, the, the, we, we don't see we don't see we don't see it as as uh, as ambitious as other people do that we might be able to end up doing that with 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 other companies, mm-hmm. with, you know, or with the company, because ultimately, who who has their hands on more history in, in, in this business than WWE, right? And like you said, when you're when you're scrambling to make moments that mean something you know a real easy thing to do is build off of history yeah and nothing ha- nothing has more history right now than the 10 pounds of gold mm-hmm. well i mean people should not be sleeping on the nwa it was announced just on friday that eli drake was the newest member of your roster i mean there was a lot of speculation going around after he left impact a few months ago is he going back to wwe is he going to aew and those only really seem to be the top two options, but little did everyone know he ended up signing with the NWA and it seems to be a fantastic fit. Uh, what are your thoughts on Eli Drake coming to the NWA and what do you think he brings to the table? Well, I had a big hand in bringing him into the NWA. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he had 
he had, I, for, I know of for sure, at least two other offers on the table. Uh, you know, one, um, one from one of the companies you mentioned and mm-hmm. uh, one from Ring of Honor. And so I, you know, but D- David David made his pitch and Dave asked me to to call him and basically tell him my experience. And because Eli saw what, you know, he, he saw what we had done with me and I think he saw that and said, I want that. Mm-hmm. You know, which why wouldn't you? And um, so you know, I called him and we had a good talk, and I and I basically uh, told him what I thought this could be for him, you know, long term, and what I, you know, because he's a few years older than me. I think he's thirty six. I'm thirty two. You know, and and I've always had a I've always had one eye on. I've always had one eye on the future post wrestling, and I'm sure that he kind of has that too because he's he's a he's a creative guy, he's a smart guy, he's got a good, good good business brain, and I'm sure that he wants to have an option or or at least the opportunity to maybe work in you know behind the scenes roles moving forward, and this is the best place for him if he wants to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's a chance, it's a seat at the table, you know, it's a it's a chance, you know, it's a chance to. I think we offer more than anyone else right now. Truly, the, the we truly offer the the opportunity for guys to tell their story the way they want it to be told. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, we have the least amount of cooks. You know, the least amount of agendas. Uh, you know, and you know, we. I'm a partner in the NWA. You know what I mean? I'm not just. I'm not just the world. Not guy. just the talent. Yeah, like, yeah. And, and sure, and and you know. We we are very judicious about who we bring in, and to, as far as like a contract goes, but we want guys who we want guys who can who look good, who can talk, and can go and deliver the deliver the big moments. Mm-hmm. And I think that Eli's that guy. Yeah, I think so too. I think you guys made a very good team on paper, a best in the world on Friday with the Briscoes. Obviously, some one finished business there based off the uh, ending to the matchup. But you mentioned the match with Cody from All In back in September in Chicago. You talked a lot about that match. Where does it rank among your all-time top career highlights so far? It's definitely up there. You know, um, I think for me, my personal favorite, I think my best match is the match with Marty at Crockett Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, followed by, I think, this, I think that the only the funny thing about All In is that as obviously as an incredible a moment as that was, for me, the the opening minute of that match was my that was my pop you know mm-hmm. that was my moment right the, the 11,000 people standing before we even touched that was my moment like that's the way I looked at it because I said you know as long as we don't completely screw this up Cody winning the title is going to be his moment yeah yep. and he deserved it right he deserved it like we, we and, and you know we all understood that it wasn't it was very easy to get to that. I understood. I understood what people wanted. It was rocky, yeah. Mm-hmm. But to get to a point where they weren't just like, "Yay, Cody!" Right? Like, it, <laughs> yeah. by the time they got to that, they, I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> if they'd have done Cody and anybody else at that point, by the time they got to that, wouldn't have been the same. Yeah. Like, people realized. I think. I think. I think the in ring we did in London, where I first showed up and finally. I think honestly, I just think the way we did all that just just worked. Like just fell into place. But I think that for me, I think the things that turned the corner 
was that, you know, obviously first he announced it at the press conference and we deliberately decided I wouldn't be there so that I could then say, well, hey, nobody asked me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> because it was real because at that point I thought, you know, the thing with this is going to be that, you know, all the attention is on him and I'm going to be jealous. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how people will feel. So let's give them that, right? Mm-hmm. And by the time we got to London and I came out, I think the way I dress, the way I carry myself, and then I, you know, and then the way I speak, I think people suddenly realized, like, oh, yeah, like, this guy's not just some schmuck. Like, this isn't just a, this isn't just a gimme for Cody. Like, we did, we did so much in the build to that to make people, even with, even though, even though that's what everybody wanted, mm-hmm. we did enough to make everybody go, I don't know for sure that that's going to happen. Like, I had people at the weigh-in the day before, because I was in, I had got myself into, you know, arguably the best shape of my life. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and I, I was going to say, I dwarfed him on that, at that weigh-in, you know, and, and I think that was another area where suddenly a lot of people who perhaps had only seen me on TV and never seen me in person went, oh, damn. You know, like, yeah. that's, that's kind of an obstacle. And I think because so much emphasis had been put on me in the NWA product, that I was pretty much the only guy we did enough to sort of even even the most hardened, you know, smart fans were kind of going, well, what would happen if he lost, though? You know, like, that, that wouldn't make any sense. You know, yeah. so then they start going, well, maybe he's not going to lose. You know, maybe he's going to beat Cody. What the heck? You know, so it, it, we created enough doubt where by the time they got to it, people were like, I don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I, like, I know what I want, but I don't know. And that's, that's the, you know, that's when you really get them and I think that was a testament to me because they went, okay, I think what that pop at the beginning proved was that even if I had one, they wouldn't, it wouldn't, they wouldn't have necessarily fired on it. Mm. You know, like, I think, I think that was, I think that was their way of saying, we want Cody to have his moment, but if you win, we understand. You know, and mm-hmm. that was the way I took it, and that's the way that we took it, and it was a proof of concept. And we, and it was like their way of saying thank you for delivering this to us in this way. And I think a lot and of we did it, but ironically, yeah. I thought that the rematch in Nashville was ten times a better match. The two out of three falls <laughs> match, yeah. Because, yeah, the two out of three falls, because mm-hmm. you know the people forget that at all in that was the first time me and Cody had ever wrestled. Yeah. So it was like you know, it's, it went well, but. By the time we wrestled at one, then we realized the chemistry and everything. And it's anyone will tell you, you know, that the, the first time you wrestle someone is very rarely the best time. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense too. I mean, like you said, the match was just fantastic. I think a lot of people would say it was the best match at all in, and there were a lot of great matches on that show. The match with Marty Skrull was equally excellent. Took place at the Crockett Cup just a few short months ago, um, and it was the villain who also kind of helped you to the back after the attack from the Briscoes at Best in the World on Friday. Is there something else that could be leading to, or was it just a case of a friend helping out a friend? I think you'll have to watch this space. I think there's a lot of people that, I think after the Crockett Cup, I think that I think I'm pretty safe in saying this. I think a lot of people would like to see that match again. Yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe Marty deserves his moment. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it, like I said, it was a great match and very much looking forward to hopefully you guys doing battle again, you guys and uh, you and Cody both. Um, so you've had a lot of great title defenses so far in your time as the NWA champion, your two reigns between 2017 and now Cody, Marty Skrull, Colt Cabana, 
PJ Black. There's a lot of other people you've defended your title against over the last two years, uh, U.S., outside of the U.S. Who else are you looking forward to eventually defending your NWA World's Heavyweight Championship against? And it could be whether it be in the NWA or beyond as well. I'm just going to say it. I have a vision of eventually headlining Starcade mm-hmm. with the 10 pounds of gold on the line. But Starcade currently belongs to WWE. Mm-hmm. So, and now they're using it as like a house show my, gimmick, yeah. That's my... That to me would be would be the pinnacle, you know, sort of crowning achievement for this body of work that I've done with this, with this brand and with this championship. Mm-hmm. Is to... And to me, the the two opponents, the two you know perfect world opponents for that would either be Randy Orton or Triple H, mm-hmm. based on the you know, historical significance of it. Yeah. And uh, final few questions as we wind down here. You mentioned WWE. I was shocked the last time we spoke a few years ago. It was right after you left Impact in 2015 that WWE NXT didn't pick you up immediately. I think it'd be a fantastic fit there. But so much has changed since that point. 2019 now. It's been four years. WWE doesn't really seem to be the be-all, end-all for wrestlers fans anymore the same way that it was years ago. Um, how have you kind of seen that shift yeah. happen in the last number of years? Um, I think it's just so much talent. Yeah, you know, I think that you know, to, to WWE's not under any, you know, they're not under any obligation to sign every good wrestler. Yeah, you know, they're under an obligation to sign the guys that they think they can do something with and deliver. You know, because you remember, that, you know, that they're they're in a very damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. Like they they sign a guy that everybody likes, but then they don't really have any idea what to do with them. Then they get heat for for dropping the ball with them. Yep, you know. Uh, or, or if they sign someone and then push them to the moon over the top of all these other guys they have, then they go, oh, you dropped the ball with this guy, this guy, and this guy. Mm-hmm. You know, there's only so many hours of television. There's only so many hours of content. Um, and there's only so many guys you can get over at one time. So I think that my advice to guys out there, you know, who have asked, and, you know, based on my own experience, is once I got, out of, once I got it out of my head in my late 20s, once I, once I changed my overall philosophy, and I didn't even realize that I had this until I realized that I'd been living my whole career in TNA with this in the back of my mind, mm-hmm. was that I'd been spending my whole career with one career goal of getting signed to the WWE, Yep. You know, which is totally the wrong approach to anyone mm-hmm. because putting your, making your entire goal to be, oh, you know, I need it, to, but, I, but I need someone else to make that decision in order for it to happen is a horribly insecure thing to do to yourself mm-hmm. because... Obviously, you can't control the way someone else thinks. Yep. Your goal should be to make to draw money. You know, and now this is where, like, like we were talking about before with social media and stuff. That's where you do have you do have more power. Mm-hmm. Like, if you go if you bother to make the effort, like Marty did with his villain vignettes, or like we did with the Ten Pounds of Gold series, or like I did even before Ten Pounds of Gold with with, with a series of vignettes I produced. It's if you're willing to make the effort and show the audience with you know with conviction when they look in your eyes they know that you're dead serious about who you are and who you want to be then you'll get somewhere and if you can cultivate that for yourself without needing anyone else's help then you're you know you have real power and real freedom mm-hmm. and then it's like hey maybe WWE want to want to book me for one off you know, mm-hmm. maybe we want to just maybe we, maybe we both just want to see how this goes on both sides before we commit to anything. Yep, that's totally fine. You know, 
and I think that again, as as the as the landscape shakes out and stuff like that, you know, that's a possibility. I made. I'll, I'll tell you the truth. I, I I was made an offer by AEW, mm-hmm. and I counter offered with, "I'd like to be able to do both." You know, like I'd like to work. I, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to work with them because obviously. I have great admiration for Cody and the Bucks and what they've been able to do. Yep. But I wasn't prepared to walk away from the from the two years of work I've done with the NWA. Mm-hmm. And that was that. I said, if we can find... And I left it open and told them, hey, if you can find a way for me to be able to keep doing this and do your show, I'll do your show. Mm-hmm. But if you're asking me to, you know, they were, they essentially wanted to offer me a contract to walk away from what I'd done here, you know. Yep just to do it there and I said that that doesn't make any sense to me mm-hmm. you know and, and, and really there's no reason to that's just a it's just a that's just a hangover from the way things have always been done and you know <laughs> when you know obviously we hear this phrase change the world a lot that was kind of my pitch was like well if you really want to change the world like why can't we do that Yeah, and because that really would be a change to be able to say okay this guy works here but he also comes here you know mm-hmm. you never know when he's going to show up right like um but i i'm not what you know uh, there was obviously still on very good terms with cody and the bucks and everything like that and you know had a nice conversation with tony and everyone was aware of it billy and dave were aware of it everyone was aware of it mm-hmm. but i you know like i said at the time my my stance was if i can do both then i'll come mm-hmm. and i think that as as it shakes out and they everyone starts to realize the demands that are going to be placed on them with cable TV and everything else, I think those sort of possibilities are going to be way more apparent uh, in the next coming year for some guys. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, it's absolutely likely. There's a very good chance it could happen and it should happen at some point. Uh, was that earlier this year when AEW was first announced or around the time that Double or Nothing was happening? No, it was it was, it was was earlier in the year. It was, okay. early, it was early, early 2019, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, as we wind down here, is there a match that you've had in the NWA? I mean, obviously the Cody match, the Marty Skrull match. But is there a match that you've had that you take a lot of pride in? Probably the, the two out of three falls match with Cody. I mean, that was on a show a lot of people saw. But is there a match that you've had that you thought was absolutely amazing, one of your favorites, but it's a match that you think not a lot of people are aware of? Um, it's definitely one of the one of the better profile ones I had, but I think the match with PJ Black, was that was that was that was important to me, I think, because because we sold out Atlanta with that match. Mm-hmm. We sold out center stage in Atlanta. We were on top and that was the first that was the first uh set, that was the first show Ring of Honor were promoting there since Cody and the Bucks and Hangman had left. So, you know, for us to be able to go in there and sell it out, like I took some pride in that and and the uh again at the begin at the very beginning, you know, um Bobby Cruz announced, like, you know, this is the first time that the NWA Championship has been defended here at Center Stage in Atlanta since 1993. We got a huge ovation for mm-hmm. that because it was like a, you know, when there was, and, and the audience were very respectful and, you know, that's a good town for me because of the history and stuff because they appreciate what we've been able to do and, and I took a personal pride in that because I know a lot of people were worried about that show, you know, how it was going to perform without, without Cody the Bucks and Hangman and it was full and, you know, so that's that to me was a, a, a real matter of personal and professional pride. Uh, as far as 
um, I really, I really enjoyed. Um, I had a match with, uh, I had a match for Harley Race recently, um, and again, just just from a personal side, it was it was it was a good match with uh, Leyland. He's not particularly well known, but it's like, but I, you know, but I had a but I had a real good match and had him by the end of the by the end of that match, you know, had that audience in Missouri really buying that he could win, which is obviously what I always want to do. But just the fact that I could deliver such a good main event for Harley at Harley show with Harley in attendance was a big deal to me. Mm-hmm. And as the current NWA World Heavyweight Champion, final question for you: What are your goals with the NWA brand, and just for yourself personally moving forward? Well, our next, our next real goal, our next major goal is to we're we're, we're in the process now of developing our episodic television show. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I've obviously had a big hand in that. Um, we're moving along nicely with that. Billy's going to be back from his. Europe tour soon, you know, he's been out touring with the Pumpkins and solo tour and stuff. Uh, and when he gets back, we'll kind of really, we'll really sort of, um, finalize all those plans and everything. And then, uh, you know, I, that's, that's my next, that's our next major goal is to develop and deliver this really good episodic show. That's really different to anything else. And I think, I truly think that if we get this right, we'll, we'll fundamentally change the way that pro wrestling shows are formatted much like they did in the uh, early to mid 90s with you know Monday Night Raw and Monday Nitro I think we've had that same format for a long time and I think it might be time for something else um, and we think we've got an idea of how to do it so that's an exciting thing for me to have my stamp on something historical uh, and I want to you know I, I just I want to headline a big show like I said I want it's I want to get I want to get to a point where we can Headline, you know, half a dozen big tentpole events like the Crockett Cup every year, and you know, fill arenas and you know, mm-hmm. do it, do it in the way, do it with, in our way with integrity and, and you know, uh, I take personal pride in, especially being here in the Mid Atlantic area. A lot of the fans here who, you know, have a real nostalgia, real generational kind of affection for the NWA, and they tell me, you know, they stop me in the street and tell me, you know. I really appreciate everything you're doing. You know, I, my grandfather used to take me to watch Ric Flair and, you know, Harley Race and Dusty Rhodes. And, you know, it means a lot to a lot of people in, in this area especially. And um, I just want to, I want to help keep building it and, and just be involved in the big moments. You know, 2018, I was involved in arguably the, the biggest moment in wrestling, you know, or certainly one of them. And that's my intention. You know, that's what I got into this business to do—to be involved in the big moments. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just continue. I want to continue to keep doing that. And people can check out NWA. You guys are all over YouTube. Obviously, new ten pound of gold out now. You're on Twitter at Real Nick Aldis on Instagram as well. Nick Aldis got your book out from a couple of years ago, which we talked about the first time. I believe that's available on Amazon, correct? Yes, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, or through SuperstarBodybook.com. You can get a signed copy from me. Very nice, very nice. Anywhere else where the people can find you that I didn't already mention? Uh, at Nick Aldis on Instagram. Uh, you know, if you want to go see the occasional male selfie and then uh, <laughs> pictures of my kid. Good stuff, good stuff. Well, Nick, it's been an amazing time talking to you. Thanks for the chat. I very much appreciate it. No worries. Thank you.
An absolute honor to speak with the national treasure himself, Nick Aldis, for almost an hour, so I could not be any more thankful for his time. We did speak once before. We did an interview for WrestleRant Radio about three, four years ago. I think it was a two-parter that aired back in January of 2016, if I'm not mistaken, but it was a totally different time. He had just left Impact. We talked a lot about his Impact run. What went, what went wrong, obviously. We talked about a lot of that here today, too, but more so focusing on the NWA and the current wrestling scene with AEW becoming a thing and so much more. So hopefully you guys enjoyed listening to that interview as much as I did conducting it. He's always been one of my favorites, dating back to when I first started watching Impact in 2008. That was right around the time that he debuted for Impact. Um, and he's come a long way since then. So again, big thanks to Nick first time. Had a great time chatting with him here today on Wrestle Rant Radio. But next week, we have my longest interview to date with former WWE superstar, former IC champion, Ryback. Now, again, Ryback's another one I've also interviewed before. This interview was much longer than the last one. The last interview that I did with him was part of a WWE conference call in January of 2016. Um, This one was over an hour. We spoke for almost an hour and 15 minutes. That's going to be on next week's WrestleRant Radio. And he has a lot to say about what he's up to nowadays, podcasting, his Feed Me More nutrition line, being in WWE, leaving WWE, everything else going on with his wrestling career, and so much more. As a big fan of the big guy, it was an absolute honor to speak with him too. So you're going to be excited to hear that interview next week here on WrestleRant Radio. Speaking of WrestleRant Radio, you can check out the show, as you could probably tell from listening to this episode, on essentially every podcast form platform out there, from iTunes, Podbean, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, NextAirWrestling.net. We are everywhere, baby. We are everywhere. So rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show, and get every episode not only every single Thursday, but also every archived episode dating back to October of 2013. Following the socials, guys, everywhere, Graham G.S. and Matthews, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, I'm all over the place for my travels and journeys in London, England. And wish me luck as I'll be here for another week. And I'm enjoying it so far. But uh, still, it's a completely different uh, territory, I guess maybe the right word, compared to what I'm used to in the States, in good old CT. So at any rate, guys, we'll catch you right back here next week for my exclusive interview with Ryback. Until then, cheerio. Cheerio.